On Change the World with Matt McQuinlet today, we'll be discussing mental health issues. If you or anyone you know needs help, please call. Lifeline on 131114. Beyond Blue on 1300224636. Suicide Callback Service on 1300659467. If you are in immediate danger, call 000. Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Today we are continuing our series on mental health and mental illness. Last week we had on Mandy Lyons, who is a researcher, trainer, developer of programs, mentor, and coach of life skills. You can learn more about her on her website, mandylyons.com. If you missed last week's episode, I urge you to check out our podcast at Change the World with Matt McQuinley, spelled M-C-Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y. The week before, we had on Zane Schmidt, a 30-year-old young man who is diagnosed with Asperger's Level 2 at age 6. After over a decade of therapy and years of focus on self-improvement, he's run over three successful businesses and is currently doing a podcast on autism called We Ought to Talk About It, spelled A-U-T. I urge you to check out that episode as well wherever you download podcasts at Change the World with Matt McQuinley, M-C-Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y. And while you're at it, check out our eight-part series on leadership with Gwen Meyer, Master NeuroChain Practitioner and Performance Coach, as well as our four-part series on policing with 42-year veteran of the Star Group in the South Australia Police, Derek McManus, and my father, Sergeant Marshall McQuinley, 27-year veteran of the Aurora Police department. Before we introduce our guest, I'd like to discuss the fact that mental illness affects us all. In fact, arguably, more often than not, it affects our best and brightest. A recent study has shown that 72% of entrepreneurs are affected by mental health conditions. 49% of entrepreneurs are dealing with at least one mental illness. One third of entrepreneurs have two or more mental illnesses that they're struggling with currently. So the people who are creating opportunities for us, who are creating jobs for us, are suffering. A 2015 study has shown that people in creative fields are 25% more likely to have bipolar disorder and or schizophrenia. So the people that are creating art and entertainment for us are suffering. A 2014 study has shown us that writers are 121% more likely to suffer from bipolar disorder and 50% more likely to commit suicide. If we move to leadership, Presidents Lincoln, Kennedy, Grant, Theodore Roosevelt all had mental health issues. John Curtin, the Prime Minister of Australia, had mental health issues. Dr. Martin Luther King had mental health issues. So our leaders are suffering. In short, the people who create opportunities for us and jobs for us are suffering. The people who create art, literature are suffering. 
and our leaders are suffering from mental health issues. In short, one out of four Australians will suffer from mental health issues this year. So these are not new problems, nor are they isolated ones. But I believe that with advances in medicine, science, and public awareness, we have never been as well positioned to do something about it. To that end, we have in our studio today, David Moran, Executive Director of Mental Health Partners, which delivers high quality mental health first aid training to both organizations and individuals. He offers high quality first aid training in areas such as standard mental health, e-learning, refresher standard mental health, engaging leaders, mental health first aid for suicidal people, intellectual disability mental health first aid training, mental health first aid trainings for self-harm people, and older person mental health first aid training. David has a father of two, a grandfather to two, and has a passion for helping others. He owns and manages a family business in mental health education. He has over 40 years experience running small businesses in South Australia from being an owner-operator up to national and international companies. David has trained over 3,000 people in mental health and has used his mental health skills to save the lives of many South Australians. David lives and works by a guiding sense of principles that he calls, I know that I will be better as those around me are better. So I'll just turn it over to David. Okay, so thanks, Matt. Yeah, so I really, really appreciate the opportunity to be here and communicate with you and all your listeners and really looking forward to discussing some ideas around mental health education with you. We're thrilled to have you here. Why don't we start off real quick on how as a layperson we might be able to recognize that somebody that we care about might be having some struggles. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good place to start because one of the things that we get asked about most often is how am I going to recognize a mental health condition? And what we tend to speak about is how we do that in relation to physical health. So if somebody's got a physical health condition, and let's just talk about a blood nose, it's very easy to see that. Mm. There's blood coming out of their nose. It's not something you have to guess about. Mm. You don't have to say, oh, are you not feeling okay today? You can see the blood. Mm. And that makes it very, very simple for us. But with mental illness, it's not always that easy. And what we try to tell people to do is look for the change in what's normal. Now, that's not some imaginary, normal, average human being. That's a change in the person's normal. So I'll give you an example. I myself am a very light sleeper. I sleep somewhere between five and six hours a night, and that's my routine. My wife is a very, very heavy sleeper, and she sleeps eight to ten hours a night. So a change for me would be sleeping as much as her. That would be a change in my normal. And if somebody was able to notice that about me, they could ask me about or if you saw somebody who is quite gregarious and go forward and the life of the party, and suddenly they're a bit withdrawn, sitting in the corner, becoming the wallflower, that's a change in their normal. And that's a thing that you should be asking them about, saying questions like, can you tell me what's happening? Do you have an understanding of what's happening to you? Those sorts of questions are very easy to ask and normally get 
a positive response mm. because they're not blaming the person. Mm. That's, that's very important. Can you expand on that a little bit on how to uh, have the conversation with somebody rather than and ha- not have them feel like they're blaming? Because if it's like a son talking to his father or <laughs> a wife talking to their husband, that wall might just go whoosh, right up yeah. and then they can get nowhere. Yeah. So I think that's that's a great point. Yeah, and uh, excuse me, giggling a bit, you mentioned a, a son talking to his father, and I have a son with a mental illness, mm. and I've had periods in my life where our conversations haven't been very productive, mm. and now that they are productive, it's it's quite interesting to look back and see where those changes come about. So, yeah, look, we get asked how to recognise, and as I said, look for the change in the person's normal, but then... How do you actually approach somebody? Mm. If you do, as I did with my son when he was developing his mental illness, you go up and you say things like, you need to stop that. Mm. You need to change. Why don't you X? If you just stop this, everything would be fine. Those things are not going to be helpful. Mm. And what we try to encourage people to do is to change that around. You'll notice all of those things I just said started with the word you. Mm. You're the problem. You're doing it wrong. Why don't you do this? Those sorts of things. And we encourage people to change that around to I. So the things we would say is, I feel quite concerned because I've seen the oversleeping, the overeating, the change in behaviour, whatever that is. Mm. And... I'd like to try and understand what that's about. So all three of those sentences begin with I, and all you're doing is giving the person your own feelings. They can't negate that. They can't say, oh, no, I didn't, or no, I don't have to, because you haven't said anything about them. Mm. You've only told them what you think. Mm. I believe that I've seen this, Mm -hmm. and I'd like to know what that's like. And then... We teach people one of the most important skills that we never get taught as humans, Mm -hmm. and that's how to respect somebody who says no to you. Because somebody with a mental illness is going to be on the defensive, and even though you might say to them, look, I'm really concerned and I'd like to try and understand you, they're probably going to say no, Mm. just as a a gut reaction. Mm -hmm. And typically when we, especially Aussie blokes, we hear the word no, we have one of two or three reactions. We either say, yeah, but please, Mm -hmm. or we say, as I remember saying to my son, look, I'm sorry, but I'm not accepting no as an answer today. Mm -hmm. And both of those things are very very disrespectful with your child though it's very difficult oh yeah when it's your own child or your wife extremely difficult so what we teach people is how to be respectful when somebody says no to you Mm -hmm. and the trick is when they say no you go okay what's my role here my role is to try and encourage that person to talk not argue with them Mm. so you hear the no and you say something that we're never taught to do, and that is, I hear and I respect you, 
mm-hmm. and you're allowed to say no to me, mm-hmm. that's fine. I'm not going to force you to do something mm-hmm. or say something you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So your no is fine, and I'd just like to ask permission to ask you that question again tomorrow, next week, mm. what it, whatever that is for you. So that's that. I'm sorry to jump in, but yeah. I wrote that down as a question because I think that's really key. So the key also is leave the door open. Yeah. Never close the door and Never. don't do anything that's going to slam the door shut. No. It, it, and it is acceptable to say things like, Gosh, I've noticed you're sleeping a lot. I'm a little concerned. Maybe you're feeling... I When I sleep a lot, I, it's because I feel down. Are you feeling a little bit down? Yeah. And then you could nod your head or something. These are sales 101 techniques <laughs> that I would use on. So are you feeling a little bit down? Because that's what I do. And So that's how you want to present it rather than, why are you sleeping in late? you got to stop sleeping in late. That's going to make you feel worse. What are you doing? You, yeah. you, you don't want to be interrogating the person is what I'm hearing. Yeah. You want to be building bridge with them, connecting with them, being on their side and expecting rejection, but being prepared for it, but making sure that door is left so wide open, you could drive a Mack truck through it. Yeah, that's right. And by saying to the person, I really do respect you and I'm not going to force you to do anything. Mm. What you'll find is, and this is my experience and I can only tell you my own personal Well, you got 40 years, it should be pretty good. Typically, and this happened with my son and it's happened with others, before you go back and ask the question again or for the 10th time, Mm. they'll come to you and they'll say, look, um, you know that thing, can I I just tell you something? And normally they will test you by telling you something pretty worrisome or something pretty horrible. And what they're, they're waiting to see is how you react. Mm. And the best way to react is with another thing that we're not taught to do. When somebody tells us something horrible, our gut reaction is, oh, my goodness, oh, that's terrible. But what we try to encourage people to do, when they hear these stories from people, your first reaction should, if you can possibly do it, is to say thank you. Mm. Say to that person, thank you. That must have been really tough to tell me that. I really appreciate it. And, you know, perhaps I don't know what to say now that you've told me that. Mm. And that's okay too. But I have heard it. Mm. And I'm, I'm not here to fix you. So people don't think that it's okay to tell people you don't know what to say next, mm. but it is. It's absolutely fine because that person might be really struggling and for you to tell them that you're not perfect, you don't know all the answers and that you might be struggling a little bit with the conversation as well is absolutely fine. Mm. Well, I think that those are some great insights and we're going to pick those up after a few words from our sponsors. An important announcement. The Radio Italia Uno Gala Ball set down for Saturday evening the 28th of August at the Marquet Club has been postponed due to COVID restrictions. But despite the difficulties, our community radio station is determined the event will go ahead once we lock in another date. And when we do, you will be the first to know. Our Gala Ball is one of the station's major fundraising events. We thank you for your ongoing support. 
Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you will receive a free 250 gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. I'm Anna Faruja of Chapel Funerals. My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you. So please call me, Anna Faruja, at Chapel Funerals on 81825100. When you enter Chiera and Sons Fresh Market and Joanna's Kitchen, it feels just like home. This four-decade young, iconic South Australian business is situated in the Hollywood Plaza, Salisbury. For fresh fruit and veggies, see Tony and Frank and their wonderful staff offering the finest produce and fine foods. And specials last all year, like the Millel Pecorono cheese, just $15.99 per kilo when you buy the entire wheel. Support a family-owned business. Drop in to their Hollywood Plaza store or call 828-33-155. That's 828-3315. Welcome to the family. Hi, I'm David Heath. Join me each Saturday afternoon from 2pm until 5pm with Saturday Sports Scoreboard. No matter what your sports passion, we'll be covering it during our three hours together. I'll be crossing to various sporting events, we'll chat with your favourite sports stars and we'll take your calls. Every Saturday afternoon, 2 until 5, on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia Uno sta cercando te. Chiama l'82 123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia 1, 87.6 FM. Hello and we're back with David Moran mental health guru and we in the last session we were talking you, you brought up a couple things that I thought were very intriguing but I didn't want to interrupt you you made a comment when you said maybe this is the 10th time you've brought it up with this loved one that you think might be having an issue so from that I'm extrapolating that you mean don't ever give up yeah keep exactly having that those conversations but just very gently and non-judgmentally. Yeah, that's absolutely critical. 
the non-judgmental part is is absolutely critical. It took me about six years to break through with my son, who lives with a very, very serious social anxiety disorder. And it took that long because when I was first talking to him, I was talking to him in a very negative way because I had no information. I didn't know how to talk to somebody. And then once I'd actually learned some things about anxiety disorder and helping people with mental illness, he'd already had a serious anxiety disorder mm. for over six years. Mm. And you're not going to turn that around in five minutes. So when I started talking to him and asking him questions like, I'd like to try and understand that, quite often he wasn't ready for that. Mm. He wasn't in a place where he trusted me to come and say, yeah, this is what is actually happening for me. And if I'd given up, then I would never have known. And it was only recently, about eight years after he started to have some breakthroughs, that he actually said to me, I actually knew you would never give up. Mm. And and I said to him, That's I, great. <laughs> I find that really remarkable because I did actually give up a few times. I would go around to my sister's place and yell at her or take my frustrations out, not on him, because that's really important not to do that. And I guess that's one of the other things I'd like to encourage people is nobody's a rock. When you're trying to help somebody with a mental illness, you're going to need support too. Mm. And there's lots of places that gets that support. And I know we'll talk about places to get support later but it's really really critical that we treat ourselves well mm. so yeah my son said to me I knew you'd never give up but I had kind of given up but I kept going back to it and it was only through the strength that, that I got from others that I could do that the other thing that you brought that you brought up that I just want to kind of highlight here is is that when you sit down with them and they finally do tell you something, they might be trying to shock you to see how you're going to respond, to see what they can tell you, what they can't, and all that. And it's very crucial that you act like a doctor or an EMT or a soldier where nothing can rattle you. I mean, they could, it could be your beautiful 16-year-old daughter and she tells you, okay, I've slept with 452 <laughs> men. And you you need to be, oh, okay, honey, that must have been difficult to share with me. Mm. You know, I mean, you need to act like nothing affects you because if they think they're going to get some anger or frustration or judgment or something, it's all over and you yeah. can't help. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's mostly... I would say 95% of the problem is the judgment. People are used to being judged. Let's face it, whenever we start to hear people talk, we judge lots of things about them. We judge their accent, the way they talk. We might be looking for certain things within their voice or their mannerisms that tell us what part of society they come from. And we judge people up and down all day, every day. Mm. But when we're talking to people with a mental illness, they have had so much judgment already. They're hyper, hyper vigilant and hypersensitive to it. So I was helping a young lady who was practicing non-suicidal self-injury and I'd been helping her for about three months and I couldn't figure out what was actually going on. And eventually she felt comfortable enough with me to, to say to me one day, look, I know you're going to ask, I just want to show you something. 
and she pulled up the, the left leg of her tracksuit pants that were about 10 sizes too big for her. Mm-hmm. And her self-injury had been to remove her own toenails with a pair of pliers. And her foot was not looking very good. It was red and swollen and there was toenails missing and there was obvious blood dried up on them and that. And it would be quite easy at that moment to go, oh, 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 you know, this is horrible. But she's she's already felt judged by a thousand people. Mm-hmm. So all I did was I just sat there and I said, thank you. I, I think I might be the first one that's ever actually seen that. And I, I want to let you know that I feel privileged mm-hmm. that, that I've been the one mm-hmm. that you've been able to share that with. And she didn't really know what to say, and that was okay. We just sat there in silence for a few minutes, and then she was able to show me the other foot. Mm. And when I spoke to her mother about an hour later after that, her mother had to admit that her nearly 18-year-old daughter, she hadn't seen her feet for three years. Mm. So that's the resourcefulness that that young woman had gathered. Mm. Her mother hadn't seen her feet. For three years, mm. and yeah, she she's a remarkable young woman. She's now training to be a doctor. Mm. She's still got a mental illness, and she still self injures, but she doesn't pull her own toenails out anymore. In fact, she's got to the point where her injury is not something that you would notice unless you really were looking for it. But it's something that she still is working through, even though she's in training to be a, a doctor and she wants to go on to be a psychiatrist herself. How does somebody decide to hurt themselves? Why? Yeah, so why? the major reason that a person will use a non-suicidal self-injury is to relieve the painful feelings they have inside their head. Thoughts, feelings are going around in their head and I've had it described to me as not only uncontrollable swirling of negative thoughts, so... This one person explained it to me that it's like a, a black cloud that you'll often see in a cartoon or a movie, like the Ghostbusters cloud, mm-hmm. and it's swirling around and you cannot stop it and you cannot get control of it. And they even explained that they could feel the cloud bashing into the side of their head and, and it felt like this absolute turmoil going on to them. Mm-hmm. And because it was so much turmoil inside their brain and they could not get control of it, the only thing that gave them some relief was to cause pain to themselves in another way. Mm -hmm. Because for those moments, whilst that pain is happening to their foot or their arm or their finger, this person's injury was to burn themselves, whilst they were burning themselves, they couldn't focus on the thoughts. The pain took the thoughts away. Wow. So it's like my eye hurts, so punch me in the stomach. A little basically. bit, but it, it, the pain is so severe internally in your mind, in your thoughts, mm. that anything else is a relief, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, changing topic and gears here a little sure. bit. How can we recognize, oftentimes we lie to ourselves even better than we lie to other people. Okay, and we hide things from ourselves even better than we hide them from other people. So how do we recognize ourselves if we have an issue? Yeah, so that's a really, really fantastic question. Look, I think if there was a perfect answer to that, I could make myself and you a millionaire tomorrow Mm. because we would have answered something that 
you know, nobody's been able to answer so far. But there are some tricks that you can use. And one of them is to treat yourself well and make sure that you're continually practicing things that you know make you happy. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I like to read fiction. So I build that into my week. I like to catch up with a couple of mates. I build that into my week. I like to know that my people that work for me are as well resourced as they possibly can be. So I build some of that into every day so that I know that when I go to sleep at night, I don't have to worry about those things because I've built those things into my life. They're not things I have to think about anymore. I don't have to think about, have I eaten properly? Have I drunk enough water? Have I done something that's going to make me happy? Because I've I've automatically built them into my week. So treating yourself well is a really, really good way to get on top of those things. And being honest with yourself is one of the most difficult things in the world. Mm -hmm. But if you notice, okay, this is really not me. I, I normally don't sleep this much. Mm-hmm. Then say to somebody, have you noticed this as well? Mm-hmm. And having a good team around you, I've got obviously lots of people who know about mental health in my life because of what I do, but having a good set of people to be able to just say things to like, um, have you noticed this? I've noticed it. Have you noticed it? And if those people can be honest with you, then you can get in front of things. Because we, the one truism about all mental health issues is the earlier you recognise it and the quicker you do something about it, the better your long-term outcome will be. So key is early recognition. Absolutely. And that's why I work in first aid, because that's what first aid's all about. It's early recognition and then doing the right things, not judging people, but doing the right things as quickly as possible to get the right help, appropriate professional help, and get that person on a good path to wellness. Well, on that point, we're going to hear a quick words from our sponsors. Yo, ciao, Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone. Delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite, marble, Caesar stone, unique stone, granito, marmo, Caesar stone, unique stone. Thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? Unique stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 8266-2280. Unique stone, we won't be beaten. Come on, che stai facendo? Yo, chiama adesso. O'Brien Electrical Adelaide, your local electrical electrician. Service and responsiveness for locally owned and operated businesses, their priority. 263 Sturt Street in the city, right alongside of Radio Italia Uno. Give them a call and speak with their friendly staff. Their number, 1300 051 482. Hi, I'm Jamie Limura. I'm Lee Harrison. Join us every second Sunday night from 7pm on Negative Camber, the official motorsport show of Scuderia Ferrari Club Adelaide. 
Whether it's karting, supercars, MotoGP, Formula One, we talk all the latest news and results in the motorsport world. Negative Camber, every second Sunday from 7pm on Radio Italia 1, 87.6 FM. Radio Italia 1 Sito internet www.italia1.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia 1 87.6 FM Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley We're here with David Moran, CEO of Mental Health Partners, which is an organization devoted to mental health education. And in the little bit of time that we have left, I'd like to just ask quickly, what are the three biggest mental health issues or illnesses that are battled here by people in Australia? Yeah, so it's a great question, Matt. Most people would identify that depression will be one of the most common mental illnesses. There's a lot of money spent on depression organisations like Beyond Blue. Jeff Kennett started that in 2001 and has done an absolutely fantastic job. Another common mental illness is anxiety. And the third most common is substance misuse. We don't say substance use disorder anymore. We call it substance misuse. Now, a lot of people are quite surprised to find out that anxiety is actually the most common mental illness in Australia, and it's the most common by a factor of many, many points. So Mm. if you take anxiety just on its own, and then all the people with depression and all the people with substance misuse and all the people with psychotic illnesses and that, they still don't add up to the same number of people that have anxiety. So there's 14.4% of people, adults in Australia, have anxiety, 6.2% depression, 5.1% substance misuse, and then it drops away significantly down to the psychotic disorders that are between 1% and 2%. So, and another thing that quite often people can't get their head around is there's one anxiety disorder that's actually as common as the whole of all the depressive disorders, and that's post-traumatic stress disorder, which is an anxiety disorder, and there's 6.1% of the adult Australian population with post-traumatic stress disorder, and 6.2% with all of the depressive disorders. So anxiety is the most common by a long stretch, and people quite often ask us, is it more common now because we seem to hear more about it, or is it the same amount of people now, but it is just true that we hear more about it? And both of those things are true. We do hear a lot more about it now, and that's a good thing, because one of the statistics we know about all mental illnesses is that the more we talk about them, the more Matt and Dave talk about them, the more that everybody out in the community talks about these issues, the better it is for everybody, because it destigmatizes, and one of the biggest problems with mental illness, and the reason that people, as you said earlier on in your program, suffer, is because mental illness is stigmatized, and people think it's not all right, and it is okay. We wouldn't go up, and I'll just give you a very very simple example. There's an illness called diabetes. And most people recognise it, 
and they know what it is. There's a problem with the way the body deals with a chemical, and that chemical is insulin. And that's easy to understand. And there's an illness called depression. And the problem that has happened to the person with depression is that something's gone wrong with the body's way it uses a chemical called serotonin. Now, because diabetes is well-recognised and everybody understands it and everybody knows what it's about, somebody can go up to you or I or their boss and say, look, I have diabetes. You might see me pricking my finger. You might see me with a bag of nuts in my hand. You might see me eating lots of small meals throughout the day. Um, And everybody just goes, yeah, that's fine. But if somebody goes up and says, look, I've got depression, you might see me taking some quiet minutes today. You might see me reading a book to assist myself today. You might see me taking some medication today. People still just hear depression and go, oh, um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that and I don't know what to do. But it's exactly the same problem. Something's gone wrong with a chemical in the person's body and yet we treat them completely differently. So anxiety, 14.4%, depression, 6.2%, Substance misuse, 5.1. Everything else, less than 1%. So they're the the most common ones. And that's why Beyond Blue have now turned their attention to anxiety. They've done a lot of work with depression. One of the, the things that then follows on from that is how many people with these illnesses are actually getting help. And this is a figure that quite often people are extremely surprised about. The truth is, Less than 35% of all people with a mental illness get professional help at all. So 65% of people with a mental illness today in Australia are not getting any help at all. Are there any statistics on what percentage of people go undiagnosed? Yeah, so when we talk about these figures that I've, I've been talking to you about, we're not talking about diagnosed. Mm. We're talking about a survey of mental health and well-being that is done by large groups of people and it's not done saying, Maddie, you've got an anxiety disorder. Yes, no. That's not the questions that are asked. The questions that are asked are, the same diagnostic questions that a doctor would ask you if you presented in his room saying you were feeling a little bit uneasy or a little bit this way or that way so that he could diagnose you. So a lot of people think, okay, well, we hear a lot more about this, but that's just because more people are being diagnosed. But that's not where these figures are coming from. Mm -hmm. This is a total wellbeing survey of all households in Australia. Okay. So those numbers are extrapolated out. Okay. Just uh, we've only got about three or four minutes left here. I just a couple quick things. First thing is, can you define for us what psychotic orders disorders, excuse me, are? Yeah. And then also define for us what anxiety actually is. Yeah, sure. So psychotic disorder is typically defined by a person who has an experience of a different reality than the rest of us share. So you and I are sitting here, we we agree that I'm wearing glasses, so are you. There's four black walls and a window we can see. There's a desk between us. I've got a pen, you've got a pen. We share this reality. 
A person with a psychotic illness might share all of those things, but they all might also might say, there's a person in the corner who has intent to hurt me. Mm. But you and I would not share that reality. We wouldn't be able to see that person. Mm. But to the person with a psychotic illness, it's 100% real. Mm. So they share a different reality than we share. So that's uh, psychotic illness and anxiety disorder. So everybody has anxiety. Anxiety is a good thing and it's built into our brain stems. It's a very ancient part of us and we all use anxiety to benefit us. Mm. And a simple example, you go to step across a busy road in Adelaide today, you turn to your right, you see a bus coming, your body reacts. Mm. Before you've made any decision, your body goes, get anxious, be afraid, get out of the way of that bus. And it fills your muscles with energy so that you can make a quick getaway from that thing about to hit you. 100,000 years ago, it might have been a lion. Mm-hmm. Today, it's a bus. Mm-hmm. And anxiety is a good thing. But an anxiety disorder is when you have those reactions, your body is filling your big muscles with blood and energy, it's gathering um sugars within itself to feed the muscles it producing nervous energy shakes quivers sweats but there's nothing happening Mm. so it's a disorder you're having excess anxiety when it's not required Mm. okay in the couple minutes we have left can you talk to us about what we can do to help loved ones that might have some of these issues or What resources are available to people with these problems? Yeah, so the best thing you can do for a loved one is use the things we've talked about. Recognise, ask them, can you explain this to me? I'd really like to try and understand. And then once they start talking to you, encourage, not tell them, not demand, not make them. You can't make people get well encourage them to seek the appropriate professional help because we're not professionals. So, again, another example that's useful, if your son fell over in the backyard today and you went to him and in a very loving way said, oh, are you okay? And he starts to try and get up and you notice that there's a bone sticking out of his leg, even though you're a loving parent and you care a lot and you want to help, you don't try and repair that leg. You say, Okay, we need to get an appropriate professional to fix that thing. Mm-hmm. Honey, you ring the ambulance. I'll keep him still and warm until they get here. He's taken to a appropriate place. He's fixed up in an appropriate way. And then he comes home and he's as well as he was before or even better. Mm-hmm. And the same is true for mental illness. Mm-hmm. Encourage that person to seek the appropriate professional help. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people say it's too expensive. There's nobody around. And yes, we can solve most of those problems for you. But the truth is there are weights for psychological help. And that's just the pure fact of the fact that there's not enough professional people trained. Are we training more people? Yes, we are. But the best thing you can do is get the person on the track to the appropriate professional help. There's lots of resources out there. We can help you find those things. You can go to our website. You can come to our sessions. You can just call us and we will help you. Please please give them your website. Yeah, so the website's just mentalhealthpartners.com.au. 
Our admin phone number, should Please. I give that over? Yeah, so the admin phone number is 0402-749-850. Somebody will always answer that phone. And if anybody needs to speak to us, we never turn anybody away. I had a lady ring me the other day. I'd never met her, never heard of her, and she just said, I'm hoping you can help me. And it wasn't until nearly two weeks later that I actually found out how she even got my phone number. But in that time, we prevented her son from dying Mm. because she rang us and she needed help that day and she got that help. So the website again and the phone number again, please. Yeah, so Mental Health Partners, very important to put the S on the end, .com.au is the website and the admin phone number is 04-02-749-850. Please, please, if you have a loved one or a friend or yourself that needs help, please contact David at that email or website and or phone number or someone else who's appropriate. Let's have a few words from our sponsors. At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364 9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, Proprietary Limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Have you heard of podcasts? Podcasts are like having a personal radio station that people can listen to on demand about topics they are interested in. And now thanks to Podcast City, you can record your own podcast and have your own on-demand radio show. You can use our professional recording equipment at the studios of Radio Italia Uno or Podcast City can come to your location with our mobile studio. Podcast City can just record your audio or work with you to plan, record, edit, and distribute your podcast to your audience. If you would like to find out more and receive a free podcast startup checklist or book a time to record your podcast, call Radio Italia Uno on 8212317 or go to podcastcity.com.au. Podcast City, podcasting the easy way. Hi, this is David Heath, and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music, and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Vuoi promuovere 
la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero 1. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hi, and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. I just want to thank David Moran, our guest today, who's a CEO of Mental Health Partners, which is an organization devoted to mental health education. The time has flown, and I think we've covered some great topics and got some great information out to the public. So thank you very much, David. Uh, thanks, Matt. I really, really enjoyed being here, and hopefully some of your audience and you found it beneficial. I thought it was awesome, but of course I'm biased. <laughs> anyway, I want to thank Ron from Podcast City. And if you're tuning in late and you didn't catch the whole episode, please check this episode out on mental health and mental illness on our podcast at Change the World with Matt McQuinley, M-C-Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y, wherever you download or listen to podcasts. And if you need any help in business, I'm a business consultant and a public speaker. You can contact me through our Facebook page. And if you need any help, I can give you a no-obligation conversation. We'll be back next week at 6 p.m. And as always, I will leave you with a quick motivational story. Mental illness and mental health has been in the news a lot lately. I'd like to tell you a story about one man who suffered from depression, was diagnosed with it, and was also believed to have bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder. Despite that, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature and he won the Pulitzer Prize. But seven years after winning the Nobel Prize for Literature, he took his own life. And that was Ernest Hemingway. Other writers who have struggled with bipolar disorder or depression or schizophrenia are Jack Kerouac, Tennessee Williams, J.K. Rowling from the Harry Potter series, Mark Twain, Leo Tolstoy, Virginia Woolf, John Keats. I'd like to tell you about another guy. He struggled with depression his entire life. He tried to kill himself twice before the age of 13. His name was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Some of the many other leaders with depression or bipolar disorder were Prime Minister of Australia John Curtin, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, John F. Kennedy, Winston Churchill, Florence Nightingale, who founded the Red Cross, and Princess Diana. This guy was depressed, bipolar, and schizophrenic. He cut off his own ear and later killed himself. This, of course, was artist Vincent van Gogh. Just a few of the many other artists suffering from depression, bipolar disorder, or schizophrenia were Michelangelo, Caravaggio, Andy Warhol, Edvard Munch, and Georgia O'Keeffe. This musician composer was manic depressive, had ADHD, paranoid disorder, dependent personality disorder, he had a passive-aggressive disorder, and Capra's syndrome, obsessional disorder. This, of course, was Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Just a few other musicians who struggled with mental illness and their mental health were Beethoven, Adele from today, Naomi Judd, Lady Gaga, Dolly Parton, probably the most bubbly woman ever, 
Mariah Carey, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, Paula Abdul, Sinead O'Connor, Eric Clapton, Kurt Cobain, and on and on and on and on. This actress suffers and suffered from panic attacks. Her name is Nicole Kidman. Imagine being an actress who suffers from anxiety attacks. Just a few of the other actors and actresses struggling with mental illness or mental health issues are Harrison Ford, Oprah Winfrey, Angelina Jolie, Linda Hamilton, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Marilyn Monroe, and Mel Gibson. This guy was bipolar and schizophrenic, and he was the father of modern science. He quantified the three laws of motion. He quantified the gravity as a force. He laid the basis for modern physics. He discovered and created calculus. He discovered the composition of white light. That was Isaac Newton. Charles Darwin from the theory of evolution was agoraphobic. Nikola Tesla was obsessive compulsive and he was so brilliant. In the 1890s, he came up with the idea of wireless communication. There are conspiracy theories out there that Nikola Tesla was not even a human being because he was so far of his time. Some people believe he was an alien, he was so smart. John Nash, Nobel Prize winner, was schizophrenic and Sigmund Freud was nominated for 13 Nobel Prizes, also struggled with mental illness. This guy founded CNN, TBS, and Turner Classic Movies. Ted Turner struggles with bipolar disorder. So did Howard Hughes. Elon Musk and Steve Jobs all struggled with mental illness. I could go on and on and on in each category. But the point is that if people who are writers can struggle to get out of bed because their depression is so bad, can turn around and write War and Peace, which is 1,200 pages long, and, and a literary achievement that is celebrated even today. If our leaders struggle with depression, can get up and lead us all to a better life and save nations like Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, Thomas Jefferson, and Winston Churchill. If people who are struggling with depression and a bleak world outlook can create beautiful music which inspires and moves us centuries later, like Mozart. If people can inspire us with art centuries later, like Michelangelo, with and deal with their mental illness. If actors can entertain us in even though inside their hearts are heavy with depression like Angelina Jolie if athletes like Michael Phelps can win 28 Olympic medals over four Olympics and 23 gold medals five of which were after 2012 when he was considering to kill himself and become the best in the world if captains in industries like Elon Musk can conquer their personal mental demons and attempt to transform the economy and to combat climate change and take us to the stars, what can you do if you suffer from mental illness? What can you do if you don't suffer from mental illness? There are two types of people listening to this message. One who will let their mental challenges or other challenges hold them back and will give up, and the other kind who will do great things despite those challenges and go on to change the world for the better. The question is, as always, which one are you?